Hey, Bloodsuckers. You're listening to That Slayer Show. My name is Kate Schroeder. My name is Madeline Kane. And this is the season one finale. It's called Prophecy Girl. Dun dun. Kate, what theme are we going to pick at this episode through? Yep. That's what I said. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> crisis is our theme which is good because this episode was a single 40 minute crisis madeline are you ready for what will certainly be a roller coaster of a one minute recap i'm ready keita are you ready ah i don't know three two one recap giles discovers that the prophecy is that buffy will die tonight when she meets with the master right and then there's a lot of weird stuff happening like earthquakes and bad bad things yeah, and then also Xander asks Buffy out and Buffy turns him down. Right, and then Buffy finds out about the prophecy when Xander, uh, Giles and Angel are talking about it and she's like, I quit. Yeah, and then <laughs> what even happens next? And then a, a bunch of vampires kill friends of Willow's and Cordelia's. Right, and then, um, yeah, and then um, Buffy is like, oh my gosh, it was terrible. And then Buffy's like, okay, now I'm going to go kill the master and face my destiny. Right, and then uh, Xander is like, what the heck? And then he and Angel go after her and everyone else does other things. Yeah, and then um, Buffy goes down and, and sees the master and dies. <laughs> and then the rest of them are at the school, which is where the Hellmouth is going to open. And um, and then Xander, uh, Xander and Angel find Buffy. And then Xander performs CPR and saves Buffy's life. Right, and then Buffy comes back to the library where everything is going to hell, literally, and and she, like, pushes the master. And kills the master. Ugh, wow. I think we did it. Was that... I, I kind of fumbled a little Our best through. recap ever? It was chock full of plot. It was. And it was also yeah. full of really important details, like Xander's CPR. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that. Right. That was key. Angel has no breath, so he wasn't able to save Buffy's life. It had to be Xander. Madeline, what's a moment of crisis you'd like to start out with? Okay, so one point of crisis that I think would be easy to overlook is at the beginning, the earthquake. So that was a pretty devastating earthquake. It like broke the structure of the school building and pretty much was glossed over. That earthquake set the tone for the rest of the episode. And watching it through the theme of crisis, it made me think about how sometimes in crises, our stress is like upregulated. We don't have as deep of a threshold to withstand more of the everyday annoyances or stressors that come our way and we just are more quick to be irritable more quick to lose our cool correct yeah so where was like an example of that that you saw i was thinking about xander and how he gets mad at buffy when she turns him down and that uh was really annoying (laughs) It, it was he shames her for being into angel and that's annoying but i was trying to remember okay maybe he is not in the most calm state to be able to deal with these more everyday stressors not only did they just experience an earthquake but xander along with everyone of the gang has pretty consistently been having to fight for their lives throughout the school year and so that sort of consistent stress might just make people a little bit less able to deal with more of these everyday stressors wow i like that yeah i'm hesitant because i don't want to be compassionate towards xander but that is where it led me 
Right. Well, I love the like the space it makes to look at their experiences accompanying Buffy through her slayage as an ongoing crisis mode, which is what we're sort of in. And I just think about things that have made me mad in the last couple months that wouldn't have or things that I have felt unable to deal with that maybe I would have normally. That's exactly right. We're kind of in this upregulated stress crisis mode. We're in the pandemic and it's an election year and it's been fraught with drama <laughs> and right a lot of our lives have been upended to some degree and it does make it hard to deal with more everyday stressors we have less energy to spend on the usual day-to-day stuff so it did make it helped me feel a little more compassion toward myself of like if I just spend a day watching Netflix you know that's okay <laughs> right right so aside from how he maybe handled the rejection I liked his, so he was having this crisis anyway of how do I tell Buffy my feelings right? And I liked this really everyday banal sort of crisis, like the crisis of confessing your feelings and how do I do it? And ugh, how do I not sound like an idiot? And he did what he did, but I liked that little moment right before Buffy finds out she's going to die. Definitely. That's interesting. And it goes to show how much chance sort of plays a role in crises. And how out of our own control they pretty much always are. I feel like that's in the definition of a crisis. That's something that we don't have control over. That is a perfect bridge that you just built to my main point on crisis. Which is right when Buffy finds out about her impending death. I loved her reaction. First of all, she she just laughs. And then she says, I quit. And then she's just like, Giles, I'm 16. I don't want to die. Then later after she has died and and is brought back, she's so calm, right? And it's, I like how you bring up the little element of something being out of your control as a crisis because it seems like her crisis was towards the beginning of the episode. And I think maybe as soon as she talked to Willow and was like, shoot, these vampires are going to destroy the lives of people whom I love. And she decides to go anyway. I think like that's her real crisis. And what we see in this episode is once she walks head first as opposed to butt first. (laughs) Okay, let me see. As opposed to crawling. (laughs) Which would actually still be head first. (laughs) Okay, anyway. Crab Um, walking. (laughs) We see in this episode Buffy crab walking straight into a crisis. (laughs) Um, But once Buffy meets the root of the crisis for her, which was her death, and that happens, when she comes back, she is more powerful. She is more calm. And I wonder, well, the lesson I'm sort of getting from that is to... Sometimes if a crisis is happening, can you just sort of let it happen? And and is that an okay, you know, then does that mean you're gonna, I don't know. I don't want it because sometimes crises happen and you're, you're actually, you're not stronger on the other side. It actually just sucks. Right. Right. I don't think this will answer that, but maybe it will add something. So basically I just looked up the definition of crisis and what I was kind of surprised by almost is that I think I know what crisis means, but all the definitions factored in a turning point and I don't really think of a crisis as a turning point per se it feels like a certain 
amount of time on a certain timeline and you're in a crisis and then you're out of the crisis and what's a little interesting is that the end of Buffy's crisis was kind of a turning point mm-hmm. like the turning point where she says okay I'm going to just face this and in this case her crisis didn't end better for her it did end a lot worse because <laughs> before she got like brought back from the dead she was dead oh this is tricky we got into the weeds and they were really weedy. <laughs> so one thing that I was noticing is all these characters, we've seen their flaws throughout the season highlighted, but they all do rise to the occasion in this time of crisis. Buffy does end up coming through and facing the master. Xander, despite being upset about Buffy turning him down and despite the questionable judgment about going down there to save her he does have the the foresight to bring Angel with him which was I think growth for him <laughs> he was like wait I shouldn't be going down there alone I'm not the fighter in this group he chose to bring Angel despite his beefs with Angel um Cordelia who we have Ugh. we've seen her flaws highlighted throughout the first season but when Willow and Miss Calendar are walking in the parking lot with all of these vampires after them, Cordelia's like, get in. And then Willow's like, go to the library. And she's like, I'm on it. And she drives through the school and they just make it into the library in time. And if Cordelia hadn't driven them, they definitely would have been caught by the vampires and right. probably died. So she could have probably driven anywhere else. Yeah. She chose to come to the aid of these people who needed her in this life or death situation so what i saw in this episode was all of these people reacting in pretty selfless ways and put together ended up saving everyone everyone sort of does what needs to be done in a way but they still needed they did still need buffy to save them they did and i'm wondering how you feel about buffy well in this episode we saw that she withdrew from her friends whereas her friends relied on each other Buffy was like no it has to be me and granted that's what she's being told Giles is telling Buffy that it has to be her to kill the master she could have taken Angel with her though she could have taken Angel with her you know she I don't think she needed to punch Giles in the face to make him not go it seems like there would have been less traumatic brain injury inducing ways to do that interestingly it ended up being the very fact that she went down there that set the master free right no that makes a lot of sense which actually again works well into things i was thinking so i was thinking about the so the crisis moment of um buffy finding out while giles and angel are talking about it without having included her and how everyone is responding to the facts that they have in the situation that they're in. And Giles is very much like, it's what the prophecy says. I I don't know what to do. These are the things that I have. This is the thing that is supposed to be correct. And I don't know what to tell you. But we're still thinking about it. We maybe will figure out more. And Angel is like no it doesn't have to be true we can do something else we'll figure out a solution because this doesn't have to be the way it goes down and Buffy is like no I quit I'm gone and she leaves and doesn't you know talk about it more which you're kind of right she could have stayed and talked through it with them because you know she's right she's 16 she shouldn't have to die but I don't think in that moment either of them were like asking that of her 
They weren't. Giles wasn't like, right, Buffy, but this is how it has to be. He was like, this is what the thing says, and I really don't want it to be true, but, you know? Right, that's true, yeah. And so maybe her resolve to go do the thing maybe, like, did end her moment of uncertainty crisis, but it did contribute to the overall crisis like you're right if she had dealt with it in a different way they would have been somewhere else yeah oh I like that point about her resolve to go down there was a reaction and maybe a compensation for totally quitting like it's like she's either totally quitting or she's gonna do it all herself when in reality there may have been an in-between space where she didn't quit being the slayer but maybe didn't go down there all by herself right also (laughs) additionally additionally keta (laughs) after the scene where willow and cordelia walk into the room and find maybe a half a dozen students have been killed by vampires um they find all their dead bodies willow is explaining the situation to Buffy and she says when I walked in there it wasn't our world anymore they made it theirs and it made me think about in times of crises it doesn't even feel like our world sometimes it feels like the rules of the world have changed which is something that contributes to why it's so stressful because it's like the usual rules don't apply anymore or something and I was seeing that symbolism maybe when Willow was saying that it didn't feel like our world anymore, they're in this time of crises where the vampires aren't playing by the humans' rules, which is kind of, I just felt a connection to that with the pandemic. It's like this virus <laughs> isn't playing by our yeah. rules. Like it doesn't, it doesn't care about the things we care about. It's just replicating. <laughs> right. Similar to the vampires, you know, they're, they're just trying to take over. <laughs> right. Oh, well, that's beautiful. Like, maybe... Well, I mean, it sucks. (laughs) But, you know, if we're thinking about vampires as metaphors, that, you know, that is a great place to see these vampires and the takeover and the hellmouth, right? I mean, it's just... It feels like a lot of... I feel like the world has felt like it's been ending a couple of times. It feels like there is something invading, maybe you know right something invasive and language like that is really scary for me it's if it's very dangerous i think because if something is invading then some right if something is being invaded then someone is invading and then you have to find who that is right and so i think that opens space for like in our world not the buffy world like the othering of people but true um it is interesting how we can, you know, we can always take vampires and see them as standing in for whatever is happening here. Yeah, totally. Yeah, invading is such wartime language. Right. And that's what is happening at Sunnytale. They're in a war, basically, with the vampires. Right. And it can feel, you know, we use that language to describe things that are happening with the pandemic you know people on the front line mm-hmm. it's the only example that's <laughs> coming to mind but <laughs> right but like the the battle right words like battle are invoked definitely with with all sorts of illnesses like battle with cancer however right. is it that they word those things 
and I'm sure there's a similar wording for people who are really, really horrifically ill with coronavirus. And I'm sure that an ICU feels like a war zone right now. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Madeline, was there anything you really liked? Uh, yes. I liked Willow. <gasps> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I enjoyed that she said no to Xander to the dance. Yes. Um, after Buffy turns Xander down, Xander's like, oh, I have an idea, Willow. Why don't we go to the dance together? And Willow is like, um, no. <laughs> you think I want to go to the dance with you, watching you wish you were at the dance with her? It's been hinted at that Xander might know that Willow is into him, mm-hmm. but it's it's always been pretty low-key. And this was the first time that I really saw Willow being more explicit. And what she said, she was... A, implying that she cared about Xander, and B, letting him know that she wasn't going to be treated like a second, the like she was the second choice. Right. She didn't want, she wasn't going, she didn't like him that much to to jeopardize her own dignity. Yeah, I really like that too. You know, because earlier in the episode, she's like, no, no, you can keep practicing, you know, practice your speech on me one more time. And you can kind of see in that moment, she's daydreaming that he's actually saying it to her. But for her to know the line, for her to have a boundary. Yeah, I really liked that for her. And then also she was just, you know, she she was the one who found all those dead bodies. So she's been really in this crisis mode too throughout the episode. And yet she never really, quote unquote, freaks out. Like she you know is is sad about what she saw and is talking about it with Buffy um but then very quickly is helping solve this issue of what's going on with the master she is cool calm and collected when the vampires are attacking them you know she gives Cordelia orders I thought Willow really shined she did what about you what did you enjoy in this episode Keita sure for all that it wasn't like that important for the episode, I did kind of like the scene where Xander professes his feelings to Buffy. Like for all that he was an ass when she said no. I don't know. It felt very, it felt kind of realistic. Like, you know, all the build of all the practicing in your head. And then you sit down and you're like, um, okay, so uh, the thing is, and then you're like, shit, I just got to say it. And then you just kind of say the thing. He you know, ended up being pretty well-spoken about it once he started. He did. But I, what I mostly liked was, I mean, I kind of liked Buffy's reaction. It was, you know, she like this thing was put in front of her that she had to deal with, which sucks to deal with. I just liked the scene as a whole, like, it's not a bad way for an unrequited love proposal to go. No, I know. I thought Xander was way too upset for the amount of respect that Buffy was exhibiting toward him. Right. You know, she was like, I, you're one of my best friends. And Xander asks her straight up if, if she likes him. And she just says no. Right. There are so many things she could have said instead of the truth. Right. Ways to sugarcoat it that would have made her more comfortable, but ultimately been untrue to herself or like ended up driving a wedge in their friendship. So I really liked that she was just honest with him without being mean. And it's also so hard to, in those situations, just say, no, I'm not interested because guys react like Xander reacted. He said, a guy's got to be undead to make time with you so rude and really rude and then he was like 
I don't handle rejection well. Funny considering all the practice I've had, which I also thought was weird because it's like, okay, so now we're supposed to feel, feel bad, bad for you. you. So only Buffy gets points on that set. Madeline, anything else you liked? Yes. <laughs> I cannot go through this episode without giving a shout out to the dress. <gasps> So iconic. Oh my God. So iconic. That white dress with the black like jacket shirt thing over it. It was just the perfect outfit to face the master in. I'm so glad she didn't change out of it. That's the outfit she died in. Purity. Oh my gosh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, like a wedding dress. Yeah. I always just thought she looked good in white. <laughs> she does. Right. That they're not also mutually just, exclusive, I right, guess. Right, right. Hmm. Definitely. Great it's dress. Just a great dress. <laughs> <laughs> Keita, what in this episode did you not like? Ooh. Okay. So while you opened my eyes to the fact that Xander asking Angel to go down to the master's lair with him was a bit of a growth for Xander and also um, a recognition that Xander can't do that, but Angel can help him. That's really cool. But, okay, what I didn't love is that he like goes in there and he's like, aren't you in love with her? And then Angel's like, you're in love with her. And Xander's like, yeah, let's go. And I was like, <laughs> it was just, it just felt like this classic plot of like the two men racing to save the woman they love. But because she's not into Xander, it was kind of tacky and a little cheap and awkward. And then there was that moment where they're like, Angel's like, I can't do CPR. I can't breathe. And Xander's like, oh my God, I have to like touch her mouth with my mouth. And it was all just, <laughs> ah. I just, God, I didn't, I didn't love it. I just, I wish that they hadn't pitted it this way. Maybe you can help me not see it that way. Okay. So first of all, I didn't watch it that way. At first, I, I sort of like seeing Angel and Xander together only because it highlights for me how much cooler angel is than xander yeah and so i agree with you that they were pitting them against each other which is tough to do when one of them is angel and the other one was just rejected (laughs) but it's sort of evened out when it has to be xander to be the one to save her right it sort of reinforces that the thing that's connecting her to the world is humans, almost. Angel can't do right. that. Right. Her human friends, they ground her. Madeline, uh, anything outside of Xander's behavior that you didn't like? So I feel like we may have talked about something similar to this in a previous episode. Maybe it was episode eight, I Robot You, Jane, when Buffy and Xander are taking their sweet time, but willow is in a life or death situation um and that similar thing happened in this episode so the giles and cordelia and willow and miss calendar are all in the library being attacked by these demons that are coming out of the floor of the of the hell mouth which is happens to be right below the library so these long tentacled multi-headed demons are springing forth from the ground simultaneously vampires are attacking them from every entrance and window and buffy and (laughs) buffy and xander and angel 
are just walking over I like know. in this line looking real cool with the Buffy theme song playing in the background just with like looks of determination but no pep in their step like no hurry no sense of urgency no sense of urgency only cool calm and collected which is great but sometimes it's good to hurry <laughs> when your friends lives are on the line you know <laughs> yeah yes as we're watching this scene go down in the library and it cuts to them and i'm like they'll be sprinting for sure for sure we for sure gonna be hurrying maybe no. even a car <laughs> no none of that right we know that we know that buffy and angel like are very fit they could have hurried and even carried xander if needs be yeah could have gone on a whole piggyback route oh my god <laughs> Would have loved to see that well and it's also funny because it was a stressful moment for me when i was like oh my god they're walking and i was just ready to scream like my whole experience would have been different if they had just shown them running i would have been like great they'll be there in no time <laughs> yeah. but instead i was like oh my god it's gonna take forever like what it ha- what would have happened if they had gotten there and their friends were done they're like oh i guess we should have oh! <laughs> run <laughs> can you imagine if they were like "Ooh, <laughs> what a beautiful flip side of the coin yeah i know <laughs> Okay, listeners, so the last few episodes, we've been giving advice to the characters at the end, but this time, for the season finale, we're going to go back to our roots and play (laughs) Fuck, Mary Kill. Keita, do you want to give me three characters first? Yeah. All right, Madeline. I'm going to take a little bit of cream off of the top of the whatever it is that cream sits on the top of. (laughs) (laughs) okay moving on i have for you miss calendar cordelia angel bam 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 whoa i know miss calendar cordelia angel i want to marry miss calendar yeah so miss calendar was i'll call her jenny because if i'm marrying her it's her name her first name is jenny oh really yeah cool as soon as she found out what was going on, she was like, great, what can I do? You know, how can I be helpful? You know, she wasn't asking a bunch of questions that maybe would have stalled the process of research. Mm-hmm. She just was like, quickly, what can I do? I'm someone who asks a lot of questions in a way that can sometimes be categorized as annoying. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> so I've if heard. she's not asking those questions... In our relationship, it would be good because it gives me space to live out my truth. And ask your questions. Ask my questions. <laughs> That's good. That's a nice balance. Okay. Now. Right. Now between Cordelia and Angel, I I think I'm going to fuck Angel. I do really like how he was adamant that there must be an alternative. Like, Buffy didn't have to die. He was really loyal to her in that moment and he was really optimistic in the belief that there was an alternative where she didn't die Mm -hmm. and i'm seeing that as a good thing in sex (laughs) okay basically he's really hot and i don't think i've actually ever fucked angel in this game i don't think you have either and i think finally he has established himself as someone worth fucking with a personality 
with even. a personality yeah cordelia also loved her i don't i'm really not wanting to kill cordelia but you gave me really creamy choices so yeah so there it is all right coming at you with buffy giles and miss calendar <gasps> Oh my gosh. Right, yeah. Oh, how? Cream okay. times two. <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. I found out today that Giles is Giles's last name and that he has a first name, which is <laughs> Rupert. Rupert. He was like, it's Giles. Yes, Rupert Giles. When he was on the phone with Angel, which is like, why did he need to say his full name to Angel? <laughs> like, how many Gileses does Angel know? Can we just ask that question into the void here? Um, but moving on, I think I might marry Giles, actually. I really, he seemed very dedicated. And I think I find um, passion for things to be really key in a partner. And Giles was at the library all night. And he looked kind of good in his like sort of ruffled, crinkly clothes and like slightly haggard expression. I was like, oh, Giles. Yes. You know. And let's see, Buffy and Miss Calendar. I was so happy by the return of Miss Calendar. But, you know, I think I'm going to... Fuck Buffy because, I mean, she's Buffy. Literally. Yeah, so I guess just fuck Buffy and really unwillingly kill off this calendar. Mm. We both made We both made some sacrifices in this game. Thank you so much for listening to That Slayer Show. We really appreciate the time you've spent listening. <laughs> For those of you who have been with us all season, thank you. For those of us who are newer, where were you? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Our cover art was designed by Holly Colvin. And this podcast was inspired by Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Be sure to join us for season two. Woohoo! Coming at you hot pretty soon here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.